get everything you've ever heard about dieting. What if you could eat the foods you love and find a way to get fit that was actually enjoyable? Welcome to Have It All with Devin Alexander. The chef from TV's Biggest Loser has lost 70 pounds and kept it off for over 30 years. She has also helped others to stop yo-yo dieting and actually transformed their lives. Now, here's your host, Devin Alexander. Hey, everyone. I'm so excited to be here today. Today's show is a little bit different than usual. Instead of having outside guests, I decided to bring you the chaos of my office um, I like to think that I juggle a lot between Little Jelly Bean and having a full team of awesome people. Um, and the team experiences a lot. So today you're going to hear from me along with my two newest recruits. They're actually my summer part-timers, Saba and Lindsay. And then also Jelly Bean is here to insert her little wonderfulness. Um, if you hear her, she'll be. you might hear some kids' toys. Um, we're doing this on purpose just to give you a sense of what it's really like. And we're going to be sharing what Lindsay, Lindsay and Saba learned this summer. Um, they've showed up on sets with me. They've cooked when they didn't have cooking experience. And then uh, Jelly Bean's going to have a few things to say, too, I'm sure. So I hope you'll join us for this magical hour that will probably be very revealing to you, both in mistakes that people make um, that are newbies in the kitchen, and also just in the chaos that I try to keep people out of. We, As you can hear, we already have Jelly Bean weighing in because she knows it's time for the Jelly Bean update. So we went to court uh, the other day, I guess it was Monday, and there wasn't anything good that really could have come out of that. Um, with these court appearances, I don't have to attend at this point, but I do because I'm a very active mom. I, I want to know what's going on. And in late September, it's possible that they will uh, basically orphan her, um, which is what I need to happen. They need, because she doesn't have anybody coming forward, they need to, it's called terminate parental rights. Uh, and then once that happens, they can orphan her, and then I can start adopting the little angel. So that's the goal. And in order for that to happen, everything paperwork-wise on my end needs to be done, and everything paperwork-wise on the county needs to be done. Parents need to be properly notified so that no one can come forward if they still wanted to and all of that. And in both of those cases, unfortunately, it has not happened yet. Um, it looks like I haven't done the work that I need to do, even though I did. And the I can't get confirmation as to whether the county has done what they need to do. So it's very interesting. Um, I, I don't want to walk into the September hearing wondering what's going to happen. I want to know. So I'm about to try to be as proactive as possible. The interesting thing about this whole process is it's actually frowned upon to get too involved. Oh, I know. It's frustrating. And if you do, people can get really angry and kind of tell you your place. So as I said, fine line to toe, but I'm determined to figure it out in the kindest, nicest, sweet talk people way I possibly can so that we can move forward and you guys can all see pictures of this precious angel who's currently on my lap. Okay, so there's the update there. Oh, otherwise, um, so Jellybean, I think I had told you, has 
uh, not, well, maybe I didn't tell you, has not been eating. She's been a little foodie since I met her. Like, it's amazing. I'll go to an event and she'll be like drooling from the time she was a month to the point that people would start laughing and be like, oh, she found the right mom. But she, it's so cute right now. She's like trying to eat the arm of the chair. She's in that oral phase. Oh, now you want the paper. Um, so if you hear me straining my voice, it's because I'm actually oh. wrestling. Whoa, a little, almost eight and a half month old. Um, but she's such a foodie that she, as I said, drools when, oh, honey. Oh, I know. Here. Um, she drools when she sees food, but then she wasn't eating it. She was starting to gag and all sorts of things were happening. Well, it turns out that she's, I guess they call it tongue tied and, she was gagging when I'd give her, like, if I'd give her apples or carrots, she was kind of okay. She could eat a little bit, but still gagging some. And then when I tried to give her, like, avocados or anything drier, she would full-on gag it up. So it turns out that she's going to need a tiny little procedure. Um, so we're going to have to take care of that soon. But then, hopefully, she'll be able to live her little foodie dream that's clearly going on because she she sits in the high chair and watches me cook and then looks like she wants to eat the food and sweetheart it's just not possible yet okay enough to do on that uh so i'm going to introduce saba and Lindsay. they are both college students who joined me for the summer in the wackiness i call my life um neither of them surprisingly everyone's like oh are they chefs no, neither of them are. They both uh, applied to work helping me with social media. And uh, Saba actually fell in love with Jellybean. Some days we secretly think she'd actually rather be the nanny. <laughs> um, although she does a great job at both. But if uh, I need to run out and the nanny's not here, she has no problem whatsoever being like, oh, watch Jellybean. And she's uh, playing with her right now. Aren't you? Yeah. Um, so welcome, Salva and Lindsay. Thank you for joining us. Thank you Thank for having you. us. Hi. Yes. So I would love, so Salva's very first day, basically, she showed up at KTLA and was going to help me do my segment. And I want her to tell you a little bit about what that felt like. Having never been, I believe you've never been on a set before, right? Never. <laughs> and this was a live show. And we didn't have to do too much work because we had a food stylist. For those who don't know, that's a person who comes and, like, does all your food for you. Um, when I fly to New York to do, like, Today Show or Good Morning America or one of those, we have to have a food stylist because there's no way I could lug plates and platters and make something look so amazing. Um, so, but in L.A., I often do it myself. This day I didn't because... It was for my newest book, and when you do a new book, often the publisher and or if you're working for a client, like a brand, they want to do it because they want to make sure it's the way that they like it. So we had somebody else doing that, but Saba, what was it like that day? It was very interesting. That was the, probably the most bizarre yet fun first day I've ever encountered at a new job. I want to say that I walked into the set and it was very cold. It, <laughs> I did not expect that. And there were so many professionals. Uh, I was there with another Devin Alexander Inc. team member. And we were just basically helping the food stylist, prepping it for the show, the segment. And we even got to go behind the scenes and be in the actual live segment, like behind the camera crew and everything. And it was pretty interesting, but very like fulfilling, I would say. 
Yeah, it's funny. I, I guess a lot of people don't know that, and that's one of the things that I thought. Oh, I know. It's freezing cold in Studio Disney. Freezing cold. You've been in some trailers, too, Jellybean, haven't you? You got to... Actually, Jellybean came to Home and Family with me, and we made her a bed on the floor of my trailer because I was about to fly that day, and I didn't want to be without her for a whole day a lot of times when you do these shoots people don't realize like they see you on camera for seven minutes but on a show particularly like home and family you spend hours there really and I live about an hour away from that set if not longer so by the time I drove an hour there and then spent a couple hours like you do rehearsal and then the whole team has lunch together because that is like more of a family show um I it was going to be like five to seven hours that I didn't want to be without her before I went on a trip overnight that just would have been brutal so you had fun in the trailer, huh? Um, Lindsay, do you want to tell us a little bit about your first day and what your thoughts were? Yeah. So my first day was actually in the office. We didn't go to the set. Um, and my first day, we start. you showed me all the things that are on the computer and like the, what a typical day or typical morning, like the first few tasks that we're supposed to do. Um, And I remember walking into your house and I was so, I mean, into the office and I was so excited um, to see all the different um, food posters and cookbooks everywhere laying around and all the desks set up and it was very exciting and it's my, it was my first job. It is my first job. And so it was quite an exciting day starting and seeing the Devin Alexander in person. And (laughs) that afternoon or that night, we went to a special event for cooks who are mothers. And we got to hear from chefs like um, the founder of Sprinkles Cupcakes, Candice. And I'm a big fan of Sprinkles Cupcakes. So that was very, I was very starstruck in the moment when we got to go. And it was so cool to be with you at an event. And it was a great first day. Yeah, that's one of the things I should say. Like, I take all my team members anywhere they can go. We Saba just came with me this weekend to, we did an event for Fulfillment Fund that I was co-hosting. It's a charity that helps kids go to college. And I was going to take, they said, oh, if you come do this, which honestly, I'm Little Miss Charity, especially in the summer anyway. I'll commit to doing a lot of charity projects. And um, when they asked me to do it, they're like, oh, we'll send a car and you can bring your friends. And I was like, oh, perfect, we'll do team appreciation. Um, And I planned to take everyone in my office. And then as it turns out, you had to be 21. So Saba got to come. uh, But she was, uh, she was the only summer, a summer team member who was able to. The rest are all little youngins. (laughs) Um, Who I, I love, I should say, I love having college students in the office because they're so much more hip than me. And um, they all pointed out to me by accident this summer how old I've gotten. Like, I literally, for those listening, I know my audience skews a little more toward my age often. And, uh, I mean, we want to get the part of the reason I love having Sob and Lindsay is, as I said, they're way hipper and they know what the younger audience wants. And I think that truly my message spans the gamut, but somehow we haven't captured the younger, like we just have, I haven't gotten to the younger audience probably because I'm not cool enough in the way that I could be. And so, um, it's nice, but it's also, they get like not able to attend events and things cause they're not 21 yet. I know, I know it's frustrating and you didn't get to go either. Did you jelly bean? 
No, I know. Oh, and now I'm getting kisses from Jellybean. It's so funny. Jellybean often, I do this kiss, 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 and then she kisses me back. Um, and sometimes when I'm not even doing it. So it was funny. Uh, yesterday, Jellybean was uh, seemingly wanting to bake. We'll show you some pictures someday, but we found her crawling around trying to get into some things that we were doing. But I was going to say that um, one of the things about Jellybean, I said she likes to sit in the high chair and watch me cook. That's kind of been my strategy to stay fit with a child. For the longest time, I was gaining weight because I would end my work day and then go home and I would have to feed Jellybean, like really take good care of her. And I wouldn't be eating until like nine o'clock at night because she goes to bed around 8.30. And then... I would be so passed out from the day that I would go right to bed. Whereas I used to eat around, like when my day ended at seven, I would cook my dinner or eat leftovers and then not go to bed until midnight. And now it's, you know, they say eating before bed is toxic. And I believe it because I haven't been eating so much more, have I? I just, just the timing's off. So anyway, now I put her in the high chair when work ends, and I cook my dinner, and then, oh, I know, we eat together, don't we? Yes, we do. It's awesome. So, Saba and Lindsay, I know, I'm sure it surprises people that you were not cooks coming in here. I would love to hear a little bit from both of you about your previous cooking experience, and then some of the mistakes that you think were most memorable because I think in terms of if you, if you don't mind outing yourselves um, because they're things that can really really I think help other people and I want to say before they do that that I think it's really interesting I sometimes honestly get frustrated at reviews on Amazon when people say things about the recipes that are clearly not true um, I feel like anybody gets a voice to do a review but it doesn't matter if they made mistakes so I sometimes think about it when people make mistakes here and I'm like, oh, God, like even things about it makes a difference if you chop someone, I mean, chop something in an eighth inch piece or a quarter inch piece. Um, it makes a difference if you, you know, the one of the biggest examples that I give is if, picture a hunk of lettuce and a big slice of tomato and a hunk of onion. If someone asks you to eat that, it's like, oh. That just seems like so plain and boring. But if you chop those all up together, you like in teeny tiny pieces, you already have this flavor meld that you have no more calories, no more ingredients, but somehow I think most people will agree that that's going to taste better. So if you picture when you're following a recipe, I know a lot of people like to go off book, but then they review the recipe with their version, not the way the chef intended it. Um, and I see it all the time. It, that doesn't, people aren't as specific on Amazon, but if you ever look at Epicurious.com, people will be like, I did this, I did this, I did this. And then they rated a three and it's like, well, you didn't do the recipe. You can, you shouldn't have a right to rate it. Um, I'm kind of joking that you shouldn't have a right, but just know that if you're not following the recipe exactly, right, it can be, if you're not following the recipe, <laughs> if you're not following the recipe exactly, it can be a disaster and you might end up screaming. Okay, Saba, do you want to start? Tell us a little bit about your cooking experience, what you've done before, and then your top couple mistakes. Got it. Okay, so I am an avid foodie. I watch Food Network and the cooking channel, and I, you know, I go to these really nice restaurants, and I, I 
call myself like an avid foodie. But it's so different seeing these things on TV and then actually being in the kitchen and cooking it. You would imagine that it's way easier. Like in college, the extent of my cooking would definitely have been maybe some spaghetti and <laughs> marinara sauce and some Parmesan cheese. I know how to boil water, so I think I'm I'm above my the rest of the people in college, but. Uh, stepping into uh, Devon Alexander's kitchen was way different than I could have ever imagined. It's crazy how many things actually go into <laughs> every single recipe and how precise you have to be in order to actually turn out the way she intended it. And that's the way that it tastes the best, honestly. Um, one thing that I found really or I want to say I found out the hard way was one of my first days in the kitchen uh we were making a kind of I think it was like a watermelon smoothie it was like a nice bright (laughs) summer smoothie and I was like simple enough it's just a few ice cubes some cubes of watermelon maybe some greens in there and lemon juice and I blended it up and what I thought was a blender (laughs) and I served it to the team and Devin goes well this is a chunky smoothie are you sure you followed the the recipe exactly and I was like of course I did like I I followed it and it was just like four ingredients and then I realized I used the food processor not not the the blender blender, (laughs) which is a big no-no so it it's it's really hard being in the kitchen but I want to say it's one of the most like profound learning experiences you could have especially being a college student because I didn't really have that growing up and I think it's tools that I will use basically for the rest of my life and I'm yeah sorry I want to jump in there so that seems like wait she doesn't know the difference between a food processor and a blender the truth is so we have the ninja I used to be the spokesperson for them and we have the base on the counter with a food processor on it because the blender jar is too tall um, to actually sit it there. And I don't like a lot of junk on my counter. That's part of the reason I like that one because it has so many pieces. So, but it was funny in tasting it. Like, I just thought she didn't blend it enough. And it's so funny how, as I said, like, I immediately took one sip and was like, this is chunky. And with, like, the Ninja Blender, and I know a lot of people love the Vitamix and the Blendtec, um, you know, they're, those different blades really have different roles. And when I tell people, you know, about making, I know a lot of people are doing the frozen banana, quote, ice cream now. Um, I had done that like 12 years ago in a Biggest Loser book before anybody knew about it. And if you try to do that in a blender, it's not going to work. So for those of you who don't have a blender and a food processor, know that in most cases you can't really substitute with the same result. So I love that Saba made that mistake because, I mean, she's a super smart, I should say that. Both of these women are really smart, and when you hear some of the mistakes they've made, you might be like, what? But um, I give everybody a logic test who comes through the door here because I believe that you can teach anyone to cook. Anybody, anybody, anybody. But if they don't have logic, um, it's really difficult for me to know if the recipes are correct. And one of the things I'll say about having people who don't know how to cook it's so good for you at home because I remember one of my editors of my first book when I said that I didn't use a quote professional recipe tester that I had college girls come in when I think the recipes like I developed the recipes 
And then I have somebody else who knows how to cook, cook them just to test them and we all eat them. And then the last round, which I always tell the girls when they come in the door, like this is the last time that anybody's ever going to make this before somebody picks this up off a shelf. So if you accidentally add too much whatever and it, it ends up making it taste better, like if you add too much salt that we weren't allowed to put in a recipe, even if it's a little bit, it can make a difference. And then we'll be like, oh, yeah, this was even better than I remembered. And it'll go to the store and and we'll never know that it doesn't taste as good for people at home and vice versa. If you leave something out and we're like, oh, God, this isn't nearly as good as I remember, um, you know, we'll totally nix it from a book. So they have a huge, huge, huge responsibility to be extremely precise um, which makes me feel like the Virgo that I am because I'm walking around going, did you measure that? Is that flattened? Is that what, is that exact? Is that exact? Um, but as I said, it's, it's really important. So um, I appreciate the girls, um, you know, who don't have as much culinary experience because a lot of times the recipe testers, like they would never make that food processor blender mistake. And they, well, not that that one was, but I mean, I've had super smart people put an entire cucumber in a blender because I forgot to say chop the cucumber. Oh, you never did that one. Um, but, but you get it. So Saba, what, can you share another mistake you made? Sure. Um, <laughs> there's a lot. <laughs> um, I didn't know that you don't cut salmon. <laughs> what, there was like different ways you serve it in a um, restaurant or something. Right. So in a restaurant, you'll notice that they usually cut across the salmon. So you get this nice, long, thin piece um, as opposed to like a square of it. So, I mean, granted, sometimes you do, like, I have a couple of recipes where you do little cubes of salmon, but if you're serving it as a filet, um, most people and most restaurants, you'll notice, really do cut it the same way. So, you know, you buy salmon and then someone cuts it that way and you're like, oh, and granted in the end, it doesn't taste any different, but Saba also learned how to filet salmon, mean or like take the skin off a of filet. Um, oh, Jelly Bean, I know you want to learn that too soon, but, uh, oh, Oh, here. Um, yeah, so that was a fun, I mean, I just showed her how to do it, and I wasn't really expecting her to learn. I just wanted her to see it, but next time, she just jumped right in, which I love. Um, I will say, these girls, you know, some people say, oh, millennials, and they poo-poo that. These girls are not at all that notion that people have of millennials. They're both amazing. Um, okay, Lindsay, do you want to jump in and share a couple of your stories? Yeah. Um, so I always was a baker. I never really tried anything in the kitchen, um, besides like baking things. Like I can make a souffle or a cake pretty well, but I can say I can only really boil pasta or make microwavable foods for dinner. So <laughs> when I came to, when I came this summer to work with Devin and she told us we were going to be cooking, I got a little stressed because I didn't want to let Devin down by my cooking skills. And so, like Saba, though, I am a major foodie, and I really appreciate any type of good food and all flavor combinations, which is very cool to see in the um, in the kitchen because Devin has literally every ingredient you could possibly imagine laying around her kitchen, and it's all super organized. And so, when I first walked into the kitchen, I there's a lot of appliances everywhere, and it's hard to know like the difference, like. I made the exact same mistake as Saba, not knowing the difference between the food processor and the blender. 
I had to remake a smoothie three times on my first week of cooking, and but I did all my mistakes with confidence, so it <laughs> went well. Um, and we but, should say, yeah, actually, so I've made quite so- a few mistakes, but I've definitely learned um, important cooking skills from all of them. Um, for example, there are a ton of different knives in the kitchen, and cutting different ingredients, you have to use different knives. And I kind of knew that before coming in um, to the kitchen, but I wasn't exactly sure which type of knife goes with which type of food. So I was trying to cut a tomato in thin one-half-inch slices, which specifically set it in the recipe, so I did not want to mess that up. And I was working so hard to get, um, with the ruler, trying to get the right um, width of the tomato slice, but I wasn't using a serrated knife. So it was really difficult to get a perfect sliver of the tomato. And then Devin came over, and she was like, it would be so much easier if you used a serrated knife. And what do you know? Of course it was. And so... I, I learned the difference between knives. And then um, yesterday, I was helping Devin um, prep out a salad dressing. And I think I was reading the recipe a little quite too literally. And one of the ingredients listed hot mustard. And I thought that it meant to heat up the mustard instead of spicy mustard. And I said it, of course, out loud to the entire team, and everyone was laughing. (laughs) And then I realized that hot mustard just is a type of mustard and not the heat. So that was one of my embarrassing mistakes. Yeah, I have to jump in and say that. It's funny. So we never laugh at people. Like I assume that people know nothing and I want every mistake that they make. So any mistake that they make, I can put on a recipe. And I've had girlfriends do my books too, like while we're in the editing process so that they, I know at home, if anybody has any, like I I just basically get the heads up on what the problems are going to be. And that's part of the reason people say my recipes are easy. But yesterday, yeah, she's like, how do I get a teaspoon of mustard hot? I was like, I couldn't help but laugh. I'm so sorry. And I think it's so cute that you're like actually willing to share that. Um, But it's so funny that I was like, you know, like Chinese mustard packets. I mean, they do sell that in the grocery store. Obviously, you don't have to get it from a takeout. But yeah, that was a fun one. Um, Can you think of any others, Lindsay, that really made a difference? Yeah. um, One thing which is important to know, which I learned through Devin, is measuring liquid and solid ingredients and using the proper measuring cups. Um, From baking, I kind of knew that. I knew that you have to use the cup measuring cups when you're using solids, and you use the glass, um, like the glass cup when you're measuring liquids. But I didn't realize how important and vital that part is because there was one instance when I was making a recipe, and I think it was... I think I was using some type of sauce, and I started measuring it in a one-cup measuring cup, and I quickly realized I made the whole recipe, and then something seemed off, and then um, we realized with Devin that I didn't use the proper measuring cup. I needed to use the liquid measuring cup, and I didn't really realize how much of a difference it makes, but it really makes a difference in how it's measured because especially with Devin's recipes, you have to be so precise with the measurements because you want to get the proper calorie count and sugar count, and it's all important for Devin's recipes. So that was interesting to learn also. Yeah, I should jump in and say, so for people at home who don't know, the importance particularly with the liquids, so say you have like a cup of chicken broth in something, and you know how when you have like one of the plastic measuring cups that's like a 
um, or even a metal one, whatever you're using. And it's a cup. If you go, say you have this whole bowl of ingredients that you've mixed, and then you go to pour that, it's really easy because there's no pour spout usually for the like some of the broth to end up on the counter or end up somewhere else. And then you've basically ruined that whole batch of ingredients because you don't know, did I put three quarters of a cup? Did I just miss it by a tablespoon? Um, so that's super, super critical. And then with flour and things, you want to be able to level it off exactly. And if you try to put that in a glass measuring cup, there's no way to do that. So that's why that's important. So I wanted to say quickly, Lindsay is catching a flight in a little bit. She's actually remote today. Um, <laughs> so Lindsay, I, I want to give you, I know we teased that um, one of our recent projects has had you um, not um, be able to... Um, Sorry, I just realized we missed one of our breaks. But one of our recent projects, we got so involved here, and I'm looking at Jellybean, not looking at my screen. Um, one of our recent projects has had you swear off a food completely. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that before you dash to the airport? Yes. Wait, sorry. How you – I didn't hear what you said. Um, the project that we're working on that had you swear, swear cold turkey off a of food that you used to oh, eat yes. a lot. Um, so Sava and I are working on a new Instagram campaign called Sugar Shocked, and it's comparing the amounts of sugar in foods that you typically would think are healthy, and we um, compare the picture of the food with the amount of sugar that's in it, and then we'll take another picture of candy, like for example, we use jelly beans, and um, jelly beans, like, and we'll put the, we'll take a picture of the jelly beans and compare the amount of jelly beans that are in, that would be equal to that amount of, the amount of sugar in that food. And so one thing that I happened to eat a lot before the summer was acai bowls. Acai bowls, they look super healthy. They're always so pretty and perfect for Instagram. There happens to be an acai bowl place right down the street from where I live. And that was like one of my favorite things to eat because it's cold and it's fresh and it's refreshing and it looks really pretty and it tastes good. But one thing I didn't realize is that there's 65 grams of sugar in one acai bowl. And you're only supposed to have 25 grams of sugar in a, for a woman per day. And so that acai bowl actually equaled about, I think, 86 jelly beans. And I would <laughs> never eat 86 jelly beans in one sitting. So after, that's just one example of them. There's so many other examples that Salva and I have been working on putting together. But after hearing that, a few days ago, my sister asked me if I wanted to get an acai bowl with her, and I quickly said no, because the <laughs> amount of sugar in that has definitely made me think twice about eating that acai bowl. And in general, just working with Devin, I definitely pay more attention to how much sugar is in the foods that I eat every day. And I have to say, I've stopped eating a lot of foods like certain protein bars I used to eat every day. I don't really consume them as often because I realized there's 16 grams of sugar in one protein bar that I would eat or um, the amount of sugar that we learned that's in fruit. Um, I'm definitely starting to think twice about things I'm eating and being more aware about how much sugar I'm consuming. Well, and I think that's, I, let me explain. I know, do you have to leave now? Um, I do. And okay. You, I could stay for one more minute. Okay. Um, well, basically what I wanted to tell everyone at home was, so one in three people are living with pre-diabetes and everybody knows that I had this book come out um, in March called You Can Have It that basically um, I was really limited in the amount of sugars that I could have in it. And I, I mean, obviously I spend my days with food. I've been looking at nutritional analysis. I have a really good sense 
um, of where sugar is and when. And I will, I often have people say, you know, oh my God, you've lost 70 pounds. You must not eat sugar. You must not eat carbs or any of that. And the truth is I do. I eat dessert every day. I think most people who follow me know that I do. Um, But the thing is, I only have sugar in my dessert and in fruit. I mean, I do eat fruit and I don't want to discourage anybody from eating fruit. But I do want you to know what fruit has the most sugars and make sure that the days you're having dessert that you're not eating bananas and mangoes that are really high in sugars and cherries, which I love at this time of year, um, because they do. But then, you know, but those those things also have a lot of nutrients and things. Um, as Lindsay said, you know, I have a friend who um, actually is living with or pre-diabetes, like bordering pre-diabetes and full-blown diabetes. And he came to me one day and he told me he had an acai bowl for breakfast. And I was like, wait, what? And I'm like, do you have any idea how much sugar in those? And as Lindsay said, like a typical one is about 65 grams. I mean, there are some that have 90 to 100. There can be a banana and a half in those things. And a lot of people will say women over 40 should never eat a banana. I mean, it depends. You know, there's tons of potassium in bananas. and But they are like really sugar laden. So, you know, you definitely don't want to eat a banana and a half disguised in this tiny little bowl. Um, but he was like, all the yoga girls eat there. So he basically deemed the Asahi place is okay because he saw girls in yoga pants. And I'm like, yeah, and that's all they eat. And then they go home and eat fish or whatever for dinner, fish and salad. So it doesn't really matter for them. But, like, that's basically death for you. So right. we've taken on this project where we're about to start blasting out on Instagram and really educating everybody on just how much sugar is in things. And honestly, like some of them, we're looking for things that shock me because it's difficult to shock me and we've been shocking me. Like Jamba Juice (laughs) actually has, it's called Ginger and Greens Smoothie. And is it a medium with 90 grams? Yeah, it's on their fruit and veggie menu. Sorry, I don't mean to bash any one place, but I mean, I think it's so important. Like if someone with prediabetes thinks they're having a ginger green smoothie on the fruit and veggie menu and it has 90 grams of sugar in it. I mean, my ginger green smoothie, I think has like five in it or something. It's so low because it's ginger and greens. Oh, Kyan, are you getting hungry? Devin, I do have to go to catch points. I really Sorry? appreciate you having me on the show today and I hope everyone has a great day. <laughs> Yeah, thank you so much, Lindsay. Have a great trip, and we'll see you when you return on Monday. Yes, bye, thank you. Bye. Bye. (laughs) So, Saba, um, I would love to hear a couple more things that you've... Well, let's talk about the cookbook, actually. So, in the time that the girls have been here, we have been working on another cookbook for diabetes because I feel like the first book people were really resonating with, like some of the letters that I got were just even more poignant than the letters that I got from Biggest Loser. I think people don't know how, um, one, like that you can make desserts with low sugar and they can be phenomenal. Um, And I I don't think you know you can eat pizza and burgers. And I think there's something about being diagnosed with anything that's like, feels like this overwhelming, just scary thing that you're like, oh my God, I'm never going to get to eat anything good again and you just really really need help so that's what the next book is it's a guide that really shows you I have a doctor involved I have a trainer involved and we're really going to show you like living with diabetes how to make life so much easier so Saba do you want to talk about like what your perception of how you write a cookbook is and then how the steps that we took to crank this out relatively quickly sure um 
There goes a lot <laughs> into writing a cookbook. And more than I could have ever imagined. You basically write or think of a recipe or an idea. And then Devin will write it out. And then we will test it. Not once. Not twice. But like up to like five times. Until we get it absolutely perfect. And because it's a diabetes friendly book. We have to make sure we're within the ADA guidelines. And so we basically um, take into account every nutrient, every sodium calorie or every sodium milligram, every cholesterol, every sugar, every everything. And we have to make sure it's within what we know is good for you and what we know that tastes good. So it's pretty rough. But I would say that writing the recipes and coming up with or helping Devin like come up with how to uh, write some of these like yummy foods was probably my favorite part of the summer so far because I feel like um, as a student, you don't really think about what goes into your food and like what makes food actually taste good. Um, but I think it's super important that we are doing all these things then that do take a little bit longer than what normal cookbooks do, but we're making sure that the recipes are actually good for you as well as good tasting. Right. And I guess, um, to that end, yeah, it's, I know a lot of people don't realize, but I think one of the things for me, like I have a very specific formula as to how I write. Like if I sit down and go, I'm going to write a cookbook. Um, it's, it would be a completely daunting task for me. It's about coming up with a list of recipes that I want to try to perfect, making sure there's pizzas, making sure there's burgers, making sure there's all the common, right, Kelly? Yeah. Making sure that people aren't going to scream because we're leaving out something that people love. And I really do want to deliver like a pasta dish and a, if I can, an alcohol dish, no matter what the book is, because I think that makes people feel safe and it makes you feel like they care. So we start there and then we literally one recipe at a time, just start writing. And I write the shell of a recipe. You know, I have enough experience now that I can, like I can write a shell and just put question mark tomatoes, question mark lettuce. But then I also, before I even start, I run it through my nutritional analysis program because the last thing in the world I want to do is not have a sense of, oh, wow, the tomatoes and the, I don't know, some sauce alone are going to throw us over our sugar counts. So before we get up to the kitchen, we have like kind of a map. We have a guess of about how much salt we can put in things based on the ingredients that we know are going in there. And then we start cooking. And I saw said, like we, I mean, she's done recipes as many as five times. Um, in the early days of my cooking, before I really knew how things played in the oven and how, you know, obviously with all the knowledge I have and being 10 cookbooks in, like, it's a lot easier for me to guess right. Like, I know how much cheese I can put in. I know how much, exactly how much protein I'm adding. So it, we can get away with five times where it used to be. How many times did we used to? Oh, well, Jelly Bean, you're so little, you wouldn't know. But, um... But yeah, I mean, I used to do things like 20 times trying to get them right. So at least at least the food cost has gone down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Saba, were you surprised by the amount of refrigeration in here? <laughs> this kitchen is <laughs> so huge. It's like an industrial, like, this is like what I would think a test kitchen in like Food Network Studios is like. It's, there's two huge like warehouse style refrigeration and like, Two dishwashers because we <laughs> use them both every single time we're in the kitchen. Um, 
there is a, a ginormous sink, um, two ovens, and, like, one of those really, really high-tech stoves that <laughs> even if something's on low, it can still burn, <laughs> which is so odd because um, I'm used to, like, actually taking, like, like a lighter and lighting my gas. Are you really? Yeah, wow. in my house. So it is different, but it's really amazing how much uh, appliances is in the kitchen um, because we have, like, I want to say over 150 uh, measuring spoons of all sizes. We have, um, I don't know. A pinch, a drop, a smidge. Honestly, <laughs> we literally do. It's crazy how a pinch of salt is different than a dash of salt, which is something I would have never guessed, but it makes a lot of difference. Or um, I also want to say that um, Jelly Bean is usually up in the kitchen with us <laughs> now that she's a little bit older and it's so fun to watch because she's in the high chair and she <laughs> watches us cook and she's so intrigued at what we do and it's kind of fun because we like to like talk to her like I, I, I like to talk to her like I'm on a cooking show and she's my <laughs> audience and I'm like now we're going to pan sear the salmon and things like that and she's just so intrigued and she has this cute little kale teether toy that is adorable because it's like we're teaching her how to eat healthy at such a young age it's it's so cute yeah and actually yesterday we did a little photo shoot with her and um we she ate her first strawberry we had that on camera and uh she yeah she really it's it's so interesting someone told me so I have not let her watch videos or television at all with the exception of did you? Did, yeah, you watched Olympic skating with Graham. <laughs> I know. Mommy has to be completely accurate. Um, my mother was visiting, and she was watching Olympic figure skating, so I figured that probably couldn't damage Jelly Bean. And then what else did you see, Jelly Bean? Have you seen Mommy on TV? Are you allowed to watch Mommy on TV? Mm-hmm. That's about it. Um, and I'm very proud of that, especially as busy as I am. I don't have a bouncer to throw her in just to, you know, occupy her. Like, I really try to have someone engaged with her, me as much as possible. Um, I do, I, I, I have had a mat. It's not like I'm like doting over her every minute of every day. I know that's impossible, but she's had mats with Montessori based toys. And then she also had this little, um, that she revolted last week. Um, she's gotten too big for, but this little, um, it almost looks like a tiny little kid gym. Um, that's was when she was a newborn, plenty bigger than her it's a little round thing with balls in it that almost like one of those I guess things the kids play in balls and um, she used to love it and that's how I used to take a mommy shower when no one was around because it was super safe for her and um, I was right there and now um, she literally took her legs and put them on the outside and crushed it down not in a mean way obviously she's so little but it was funny because she's too big for it so I've had to come up with other things but I've noticed that the high chair Oh, I know. You're learning so much. Um, the high chair allows me to really engage with her. And I, the other night we made, what did we make? Did we make a homemade turkey chorizo from the Biggest Loser Flavors of the World cookbook? Um, I was just craving that. I love that, honestly, with um, Newman's own spicy tomato basil 
sauce. Like when I don't feel like really cooking, um, I know to some people that is really cooking um, to even make homemade turkey chorizo. But and then I did um, a protein Barilla's protein pasta. Um, I'm not a sponsor of either of those projects products. I just happen to love combining those things and it gives me more protein in my pasta that or I use the um, bean pastas but yeah so we made that and as I said if she sits like if I just put her on a mat and leave her she gets a little fussy like she's being right now but if I sit her in her in her high chair and really explain like this is what we're doing I'm wondering if she might actually learn a little bit Um, but either way she just I just feel like it's so much healthier than sticking her in front of a video screen so I feel really good about that. Um, Saba, what else do you think people really need to know? Okay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Uh Definitely need to know to wash your hands after you um, touch jalapenos, jalapenos, raw meat, even if it's like raw fish or like something. Um, you do not want to cross-contaminate. I feel like that's, like, the scariest thing about being in a kitchen because I'm so cautious. I don't want to, you know, kill anyone or, like, give them salmonella or E. coli or whatever. I know the stuff that we use probably doesn't have it, but, like, you hear the horror stories on the news all the time, and so you can never be super safe. And on the jalapenos... um, Funny story, I wish Lindsay was here. Something similar happened. She was trying to spray with um, (laughs) olive oil spray one of our dishes to go into the oven so it doesn't stick in the pan. And she was like, it's clogged. And I was like, okay, well, like, try, like, spraying it to get it unclogged. And she goes and she sprays my entire face (laughs) with olive oil and half of the kitchen. And she's like... I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I'm going to go rinse my eyes out. And I was like, it's funny because we're glad that's propellant free. I'm really (laughs) glad that didn't have any bad chemicals in it. But that was another funny story in the kitchen. Yeah. Oh, so we should explain that propellant free. So a lot of people, you know, when, when olive oil sprayers first came out, they came in a can and an aerosol and they need it. They like have propellant in them. And if you ever read the fine print, which I think everybody's realized by now that I always read the fine print on every food item. Um, they, they have propellant in them and that's what propelled it out of the can. But it also says don't spray directly on food. Well, it's like, what is exactly does that mean when you have, I mean, yes, don't spray directly on food, but you're just spraying it directly on the pan that then directly touches the food. So how is that okay? Um, so I started very early on getting, you know, like the Misto type sprays, um, or another, like I'm not brand loyal cause I think they they get clogged a lot and it's really frustrating, but in good news, like a lot of brands now, Oh, jelly beans kissing me. Um, a lot of, and crawling on me. It's so funny at the end of the day, I feel like I've gotten a workout. Like I'm wrestling her, um, often, aren't I? Um, but like Man- Manitoba has one and they actually even have flavored ones. And then I think Pam just came out with a hundred percent olive oil spray, but that's what that means. Make sure that the olive oil that you're spraying on your food is a hundred percent olive oil. And for me particularly, like in my recipes, those who follow them will note that if I take like a baked fried item out of the like fried in quotes item out of the oven, I'll spray it with a little olive oil because that flavor is the first flavor that touches your tongue. So it'll read more like it's fried than if you weren't to spray it. But it, you cannot spray one with propellant in there. So I always put propellant free and 
I know people have asked about that a lot. Um, and yeah, it was funny that uh, Saba got moisturizer. She signed up to cook and she got moisturizer. But olive oil moisturizer is not the worst thing. She looked particularly good on the next day. Um, what else, Saba? Is there something else that you really feel like, oh my God? Um, on top of, oh my God, I'm I just, just want to say that uh, Devin really does it all. Uh, she is an amazing chef, professional chef, amazing entrepreneur, business owner, and absolutely the world's best mom. Oh. And I think it's ridiculous how she can do all of this and still manage a successful business. And I think it's kind of inspiring to see, especially at like my age when I'm just about to enter the workforce, about like what the options are in the food industry and how I can actually be an asset to um, the rest of the world, especially in terms of nutrition, I want to be maybe a media, well, I don't want to be a nutritionist, quote unquote, because I feel like I could get to more people if through the media rather than just seeing people in a clinical office all day. So I hope to one day um, enter the food industry by using what we can learn about nutrition and healthy lifestyles and putting it in the media. And I think Devin is an absolute amazing influence for just about that. And she's definitely inspiring. And she has it all. Or she has inspires me to have it all. Okay, that's super sweet. That wasn't supposed to be part of the <laughs> talk today. Um, I mean, I I do feel like the have it all thing. Like, I, I wasn't living that until I got Jelly Bean. Um, so I am proud of the fact that. But, I mean, you guys will also see, like, you know, people don't realize the hours, you know, the number of times that I'm like pretty passed out during the day because Jelly Bean was a week, she stayed a week or she had teething pains or whatever. And then, you know, run to an event and then I'm pretty tuckered. So I do my best. And honestly, like I used to write books in weeks and now it's, um, it's taking me a lot longer between my brain injury and my, um, and sweet little Jelly Bean, but, but so, so worth it. Um, should we talk about some of the other things we do in the office? Sure. When we're not cooking, um, we are, well, Lindsay and I are working on social media campaigns, doing a lot of, you know, promoting with um, other influencers, seeing that what, how we can market to younger audiences as well as audiences who already follow uh, Devin. We work on a lot of SEO analytics, which is search engine optimization in order to kind of boost her um, appearances and her, um, her like when you search on Google, like her name will pop up and her recipes will pop up first. Um, we learned how to engage with clients, write professional emails, how to use WordPress, which is like the back end of her website, which is something that I know a lot of other companies um, utilize. And from... I don't know. I just, you learn a lot. You learn a lot, especially about food, about the culture and the environment and how to really be the better version of yourself. <laughs> well, and one of the things like I think that is interesting for people in general, like I once went to this seminar and someone said, if you, when you're writing a letter to someone that you want something from, the best thing to do is say you a number of times in the beginning of the letter, like you're awesome. I love following you. I love this or whatever. And it's funny. And then also always read everything from the perspective of what value am I giving this person or am I getting to the point, all of that kind of thing. 
And I do find it very interesting that a lot of people, you know, especially women, I find like they do apologies instead of compliments and really get to the point. Um, So like one of the things we've been working on here, um, which we work on with everyone all the time, is the, you know, if we're if we're trying to get someone like offering my services as opposed to asking for something. So we're going to be reaching out to some outlets and be like, Hey, your site is amazing. You've clearly done such a good job. Don't know if you're familiar with Devin, but, um, you know, she might be able to assist you in any upcoming goals. And we just wanted you to know about her. And like, that kind of thing yields results. I'll also say if somebody writes to me, like a lot of people will write me their entire life story and then want me to change their diet and change their whole life. And it's really tough to do that if I don't feel like they already are familiar with my work. Um, If someone writes to me and they're like, oh my God, I've been using your recipes and, um, or I follow, you know, I follow your radio show and I've learned a lot and, I, I really feel like you have the ability specifically to help me. Um, you know, this is what I, this is the challenge, not like my whole life is not working out, but this is the biggest challenge. I can often very easily blast off an email. I know, I know you don't like when I spend too much time with others, do you? Um, I can very easily blast off an email and, um, uh, and get give them the answer they need. But if they just do their whole life story, like it's overwhelming to someone. So we only have a minute left here, but before I go, I just wanna say like, if you're writing to someone, make sure you've done your research. Make sure, like if you want something, know that person, know what they've, um, know what they've done, know how their work to date affects you and share that. So that you, so they know that you're up to speed to a certain level and then maybe they can answer a personal question because most people on TV are insanely busy, especially if they have a new baby who is as active as Jellybean and they really truly often want to help you, but you need to help make it possible. And on that note, I think that um, we've had a great Wednesday. I hope to see you all here next week and I hope that we all truly have it all. Have a great one, everyone. Thanks for listening to Have It All. Be sure to join Devin Alexander for another great show next Wednesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Until we talk again, have a fit and fun week.